emotional force. Gosh, this is lovely and loud, isn't it? Um, but he's the third person of the Trinity. And the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, want to come and take residence in each one of us. Thank you, Malcolm. Now, 2,000 years ago, on that mysterious, awesome day of Pentecost, which was the first one after the ascension of Jesus, in Jerusalem, something mysterious and wonderful happened. It took everybody by surprise, including the disciples who'd been told it was going to happen. And they just had the rug pulled out from under their feet. The city was packed with pilgrims, Jewish pilgrims from across the Jewish diaspora where they'd been scattered over the years. And they were there for two reasons. It was one of the three compulsory pilgrim feasts, so, so they felt obliged by God to be there, but they were there for two things, to remember the wheat harvest. Going nutty about the wheat harvest. And the giving of the law by God to Moses on Sinai all those years earlier. God wants to reap a harvest in us this morning. For some, it's going to be the harvest of salvation. You're going to be saved today. You came in here not as a Christian, you're going to leave as a Christian because you're going to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the impact of the Holy Spirit on gatherings like this. Others of you are going to reap the gift of the Spirit. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, God wants to baptize you in his Spirit today. He wants, you to fill, he wants to fill you to overflowing with his Spirit, just as those first disciples were filled to overflowing with his Spirit. And if you're already filled with his Spirit, if you're already baptized in the Spirit, then God wants to fill you up again. Because he says, don't get drunk on wine and strong drink, but be filled with the Spirit, get intoxicated on the Spirit. Now, I, I don't like getting intoxicated. I, I, I like a bit of brandy now and again. I like gin and tonic. But if I have too, too much, I don't get joyful and cheerful. I get morose. I just want to sit in a corner by myself. There are other people who become the life and soul of the party when they have some alcohol. Looks as if some of you have had alcohol already this morning. Um, but what God wants to do is to fill us so much with his spirit that joy unspeakable is our experience. And we've just been singing all the diverse and terrible experiences of life as well as all the brilliant ones. Our faith in God flourishes, I believe, because of the Holy Spirit. Do you like those people, those speakers who get, get you to say things? You don't, do, do you? I hate it. I hate it. Guess what I'm going to do? I, I'm going to get you to say something. Okay, yeah. 
It's quite safe. It's just a statement of truth. All right, a statement of truth. Say, say this after me. His divine power, His divine power has, granted has granted to us all things, all things that, pertain that pertain to life and godliness. We don't usually use the word pertain in our ordinary conversation, do we? But this whole sentence says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, God's divine power has given us everything we need to live a life that pleases God. Also, a life that gets up out of bed in the morning, that goes to bed at night rejoicing in God. We need the Holy Spirit for the whole of our lives. The Bible often talks about walking. It's what most of us do, we walk one step at a time. And in Judaism, the rabbis used the whole concept of walking to represent the whole of life. So Paul, in one of his letters, says, walk worthy of your calling. Walk in love. Walk in the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And he's not trying to separate different part, parts of life and saying, well, you need the Spirit for that, but not for that part of life. He's saying we need the Holy Spirit for every part of our lives. And it isn't always going to be prophecy and tongues and interpretation. We want more of those. We want more of those. But it's actually living lives that are pleasing to God. Can you do it on your own? I can't do it on my own. I need the Holy Spirit. Can you maintain your relationships in the church without the Holy Spirit? I can't. Who gets fed up sometimes? Who thinks, oh no, I think I'll just walk around here and avoid them. Or I don't feel in the right mood to have a chat today. We don't feel like that, do we? We don't feel, feel like that. To maintain our relationships in the church, we need the Holy Spirit. What about living a holy life? Oh, I can do, do that on my own. Not... We need the Holy Spirit, clearly, to live a holy life. What about the whole church living a holy life? Because much of the New Testament is about us rather than me. We sometimes get confused because in English it just says you. But the you invariably is plural because Paul and other apostolic writers are talking to the whole 
church. And it suggests that they spent a lot of time together. I know their society was different in ancient times. Their cultures were different. But they spent a lot of time together, as we'll find out a little bit later. We don't spend that sort of amount of time together. And so we can be holy at times, and then when we don't see one another, we can get on with the rest of our lives. But actually, what the New Testament church is about is people spending their lives together, not all the time, of course, but engaging with one another in a flourishing, ethical way. To live an ethical life as a Christian, you and I need the Holy Spirit. To be able to fulfill all the moral requirements in our lives, we need the Holy Spirit. What about the church being open to all? Do we need the Holy Spirit for that? We do. As a teenager, I uh, spent some years in the Brethren. Uh, and uh, my year five teacher invited me along to his Brethren Sunday School. I'd never been to church before, so I, it was all new. Um, in those early days, we didn't even have an organ. We sang a cappella because you weren't allowed to work on the Sunday. Um, my mother came one Sunday, and because she wasn't a Christian, she had to sit behind the rope <coughs> that was three or four rows from the back. So only those who were born again could sit in front of the rope. Fortunately, that, that, that disappeared, and one year we gave the brethren up for Lent. So, um, <laughs> to be open to all, we need the Spirit. We need the Spirit. If, if the homeless can't come in, if the unwashed can't come in, people who can't speak English can't come in, if all sorts of different people come in, we need the Spirit. Otherwise, it'd be very easy in our hearts at least to give them the old heave-ho, wouldn't it? And say, we don't even have to say you're not welcome here. We would show it, wouldn't we, in different ways, without the Spirit. What about reading your Bible and doing what it says? Oh, no, we don't do that. Do you, do you need the Spirit for that? To read the Bible and do what it says. There are two, two things there, aren't there? To actually read the Bible. To read the Bible, we need the Spirit to motivate us and to do it so often that it becomes an ingrained habit, but not such that it doesn't mean anything to us anymore. It becomes a living part of our lives where we need the bread of the Word. Do you read your Bible every day? You don't have to answer that aloud. But if you don't, you can go out, <laughs> stand outside the head teacher's room, <laughs> go into Purdah. No, do, do you read the Bible every day? 
Do, do, do you sometimes read it more than once a day? Do you eat between meals? Do you read between meals? Oh no, I've read, I've read it today. I don't need to read it again. I sometimes do, do this, but I, I know some people who carry a little notebook in their back pocket. I don't like putting things in my back pocket uh, because of pickpockets but, and me sitting on them and bending them and things. But so, some people carry a, note with a, a notebook with them all the time and they actually write down one verse that God impresses on their heart that morning or the previous evening or, or whenever and they keep on referring to it during the day. I've got so many note notebooks, I daren't start another one because I get halfway through and then I think, oh, that's a nice notebook, I'll buy, buy that and start that, that one. So I've got lots of half-finished no notebooks. But actually, God doesn't care about the notebooks. What God cares about is how we apply what we read. Or if we don't read, if we can't, can't read, what, what we listen to. It's so easy to read the Bible, isn't it? Because it's all on your phone. Well, that's what we think anyway when you get them out in the, meet in the meeting. Do you read your Bible? Do you do what it says? If you don't understand what it says, who do you ask? Who, who do you ask? Holy the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit comes disguised as someone in your growth group or your husband or your wife or your best mate you're halfway round round the golf course Malcolm and you say hey Kev I've been been reading something this morning I don't know what it means have you you read that and Kev says yeah by some strange coincidence I was reading that this morning let's have a little chat might be at the 18th hole, not at the 19th hole, but um, we need the Holy Spirit for handling Scripture. What about preaching Jesus both in word and in the sacraments that we have? Water baptism and communion. It can become so mundane so ordinary these things lose their edge and we need the holy spirit to put that edge back on us or am i the only person who loses his edge well at least one person agrees with me we need the holy spirit to keep us sharp and what about the church's commission to mission. Do we need the Holy Spirit for that? We not only need the Holy Spirit for what we say to people that we meet on the street, we actually need the Holy Spirit to motivate us to get out there in the first place. To invite neighbours around. Christmas is a good time to do, do that. You might want to have a hot cross bun party in your back garden at Easter. You like that idea? Yeah, well, the weather's ne never good enough. <laughs> well, there's a thought. 
there are so many ways in which we can choose to engage with our neighbours, but we need the Holy Spirit to inspire us and to motivate us. If you've got a Bible, and being the good Christians that you are, you have, if you'd like to turn to Acts, this is uh, in chapter 2, the book of Acts. This is once Peter had preached a blinder of a sermon. He could almost be Bishop Michael Curry, couldn't he? Wasn't he wonderful? Wasn't he, wasn't he wonderful? And he even had to apologize for going on too late. Um, uh, you laugh. <laughs> Peter has just preached this blinder of a sermon. He said, you lot, you crucified Jesus, but God has raised him to life again. And I'm preaching salvation in his name. What you need to do, and they were asking him, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. He said, repent, change your minds, ch change your ways, turn to God, be baptized in water of a sign that you've done that, you've buried the old life and the, the new life has been raised up. Every one of you, he was talking to this huge assembly of uh, non-Palestinian Jews, and I, there were, I guess there were some Palestinian Jews there as well, from all over the Jewish world. An amazing audience of people who were hanging on his every word. And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, for the promise is for you and the next generation down, your children. He's talking to Jews. And he says also, for all who are far off. That's a reference to Gentiles. In other words, the Holy Spirit on that first Pentecost was available for everybody. For everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. God is calling you today. You may never have responded to his call be before, but God's always calling us because there's always something that he wants us to learn from him and to do for him. And this morning may be the morning when you respond to that call for the first time. And if you ask him, God will give you the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit that we need. With many other words, he bore witness, this is Peter, and continued to plead with them, saying, according to the message, get out of this terrible world while you can. Get out while you can. In other words, change sides before it's too late. We don't know what's going to happen one second from now. We don't know what's going to happen on the way home. We don't know what's going to happen t tomorrow. And Peter's words are so true now. Get out while you can. Give yourself to Jesus while you can. 
You may not be able to. You may not be in a position to do that later. And people just shrugged their shoulders and walked away. Doesn't say that, does it? Absolutely astonishing. Those who received his word, in other words, they not only believed it, but they received the substance of it into their lives, into their minds, into their hearts, into their souls. And they were baptized. Lots of fountains and stuff, you know, water around in, the, in a city like Jerusalem. And there were added to that number, there were about 120 of them originally. You, you, you know how many? 3,000. Can you imagine that? How many would each of those 120 have to be responsible for? Could you do it? God, I can barely lead my own Christian life, let alone lead other people. But if you had several coachloads of people arrive one Sunday morning and they say, we've heard that God's in this place. We want to know about him. We'd have to have the meeting outside. And then we'd have to divvy everybody up amongst us lot. What would you do with them? You would praise the Lord, yeah. You would take them home. Take them home. I haven't divided 3,000 by however many are here, but it's a lot, isn't it? You take them home, and what do you do? You put the kettle on, don't you? Because we're Brits, we put the kettle on and we feed them. Why? Because when people are eating and drinking, they are usually very happy, very relaxed. I'm not trying to have a guessing game, I thought it was obvious. You're relaxed when you've got food and drink, aren't you? Wouldn't that be marvellous? One Sunday morning, coach loads of people arrive and we have to take them home. Would you do it? Would you? Yes? Don't sound very enthusiastic. Thank you! <laughs> Wouldn't that be astonishing? Wouldn't it be, it be astonishing? And there might be people who are saying, God, gosh, I'm not a Christian myself. How can I lead these other people to Jesus? How can I teach them about their, their new, new faith? Well, the answer is, become a Christian now. If you're going to be responsible for these brand new Christians, you better become a brand new Christian as well and learn together with the Holy Spirit. So what did these 3,000 do? This is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I'm sure there are people here with ESVs and NIVs and all sorts of other tra translations. So this is a little bit of a mixture of them both. All right. And it starts by saying, and they devoted themselves. 
That's as far as we need to go before we know we need the Holy Spirit. Can you commit yourself to something that's open-ended without the Holy Spirit? You run out of enthusiasm. You run out of motivation. You need the Holy Spirit to keep that edge on you. They devoted themselves. It wasn't just some casual acquaintance. Oh, well, I think I'll, I'll take a book home and read it. They c devoted themselves. They committed themselves to four things. Four major things that seem to be the hallmarks amongst lots of other things, but these are four ma main ones, I think, uh, of an authentic, spirit-filled Christian community like the beacon. Okay, four keynote building blocks. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, there wasn't a Bible in those days. There was the Old Testament, the Torah. Um, if you were a rabbi, you probably had several scrolls. The synagogues had lots of scrolls in a special cupboard called, called an ark. Uh, but the average person di didn't, ha he didn't have a Bible. Um, he learned it all off by heart. Um, you didn't have this great trolley you know, with scrolls going through life. It was all in here. Um, and so when they devoted themselves to, to the apostles' teaching, it was something that they listened to. It's only later that stuff began to be written down. When Paul wrote a letter to, to a church that he'd planted, or perhaps even hadn't planted it, uh, he, he often got the people there to swap letters with another church because he'd said something quite different. So, so they... They could feed one another. But essentially, it was listening. They didn't have microphone problems. They, they were listening to the truth. They were listening to God's word that penetrated their hearts and minds. And they devoted themselves to it. They couldn't get enough of it. Is that your attitude to the Bible? Is that your attitude to preaching on a Sunday? Do you read blogs? Do you f follow other preachers online? Do you just saturate your spirit with biblical truth? Or do you know it all? You think, no, nah, I've re read the Bible once. I don't need to read it again. We need the Holy Spirit to keep our appetite sharp for scripture do you agree with that so the question is what will you do about it it's one thing agreeing with the preacher it's another thing doing something about it going home and saying no I'm going to start reading my Bible because there are people in this room who don't read their Bibles if you can't read there are lots of spoken scriptures on tape or CD or, or whatever, online, on your phone. There's no real excuse for not soaking ourselves in Scripture. That was the first thing that they devoted themselves to, the apostles' teaching. The second thing that they devoted themselves to was the fellowship. It wasn't just fellowship as a concept, but it was the fellowship. 
koinonia, beautiful Greek word that means having things in common, being partners, being in partnership, working together. The common life. Now, as we saw, saw earlier, they spent a lot of time together. They spent more time together than we do. And I suspect that outside of Sundays, there could be some people in this church who are lonely because they only see other members of the church from Sunday to Sunday. I want to put a, a big plea out for people's lives to be intertwined more thoroughly and more regularly so that it becomes this amazing net that is difficult to break, where our fellowship is genuine, where our life together actually counts for something. We know each other far better than ships passing in the night. The third thing that they committed themselves to, it depends on which translation you use, the breaking of bread or the common meal. They spent so much time together, they didn't have time to go home and have meals, so they had meals together. I'm <coughs> not quite sure where, where they had them. Perhaps later in Rome, it was in the catacombs, but, but who knows. Perhaps wealthy Christians with big houses were saved, and so they could have meals together. And those meals were always meals with celebration. They were celebratory meals that were celebrating Jesus' death and resurrection and his promised return. In other words, communion, what we call communion or the Eucharist, wasn't separated from what we do normally. It was part of enjoying meals together. Or if meals are out of the question, enjoying coffee together or a cu cup of tea together or something together. It just it's enjoying stuff together. And in the course of it, remembering the mighty thing that Jesus has done. We've kind of separated things in our culture, haven't we? So that we just have a little table out the front I know meals, are, are, for a large number of people, are difficult to organize. But the early church did it because they devoted themselves to it. It's something they made a priority. The Holy Spirit was so active in their lives, they thought, we just got to do this. Because we want to enjoy one another's company as well as enjoying God's company together. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to enable us to do it. And the fourth thing they devoted themselves to, it wasn't praying. It wasn't prayer. The original language says the prayers. So it's the teaching, the fellowship, the common meal, eating together, hospitality, and the prayers, the prayer meetings. This is something that they did. They met together as often as they could to pray. 
goodness knows how they found time to go to work. It's a bit like retired people, isn't it? Retired people's lives get so busy, they think, how did I ever manage to go to work? That makes retirement worth looking forward to. Um, but these Christians in the early church, they were just bowled over. <coughs> Excuse me. They were bowled over by what had happened to them. They were not only saved, but they were filled with God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. And of course, over a period of time, unless you keep on being filled with the Spirit, these things lose their edge and life becomes a bit boring. You think, oh, I'll go and play golf today. I'm fed up with them. They didn't agree with me. Or someone gave me a funny look which I didn't understand and I'm sure it was net negative so I'm not going to talk to them for three weeks. But you're not like that, are you? We're all sensible people who've made the decision not only to give our lives to Jesus but to be filled with the Spirit. It's the only sensible thing to do. Why? Well, one, because God commands it. And secondly, because it's the only thing that gives us eternal life. And this world's going uh, to end one day. Our lives are going to end one day. And it's our relationship with Jesus that's the only thing that will take us through into eternity. Actually, it's the only thing that will t take us through, through life. And we need the Spirit. How about you? Do you want more of the Spirit this morning? Or are you full up? I can't give you the Spirit. God can give you the Spirit. And often we are quite passive, aren't we? We stay in our seats. There was one preacher who insisted that people who responded to the call had to run to the front, but we're not going to do, do, do that. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, why don't you stand up? Get some people out the front as well. Yeah.